The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. And hello again, wrestling fans. Welcome to another edition of This Week in History. I am Sean, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. Well, thank you for joining us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, anywhere else you get your podcasts from, watching visually on YouTube or Facebook. This is This Week in History. We are going to look at the week of February 11th to the 17th. Thank you for wherever you are joining us from in this world, uh, whether you're also on the Ontario Independent Podcasting Network or, as you just saw, we're part of the Johnners Podcasting Network. We are everywhere that you are. So uh, thank you for joining us. We're going to look at uh, this time in history uh, for the last uh, week or so and see uh, what memories are sparked up. But we can't do that until we head over to Niagara Falls and welcome in Jonesy. Hello, oh, yeah. sir. Good. How are you? How are things going? Uh, not too bad. We uh, missed, uh, we got some snow, but not like uh, London did. So, yeah. Yeah, we got hit uh, with a lovely mixture that started off with rain yesterday, uh, then ice, and then snow. Yeah, we got it all, all in one uh, shot. For those uh, not aware, this is uh, we're recording this on uh, Friday the uh, 18th, just because the schedule's uh, going on, and it's uh, about 12:30 uh, at the moment. My wife's downstairs. We both have today off, and all I'm hearing in the background at the moment uh, is she's watching CBC News, and they're going into Ottawa and starting to arrest family and people who are still protesting three weeks later, just to get mandates uh, taken away and. Apparently, people are putting their children in front of uh, the police. Yeah, it's a messed up situation. Thankfully, we're here to talk about wrestling and uh, not the craziness of the world of COVID and politics clashing in our nation's capital. But uh, crazy times going on. Luckily, things are starting to lift. And uh, just the other day, uh, things started opening up for uh, capacity limits in your uh, restaurants and gyms and stuff like that, uh, stores. So get out there, support your local uh, merchant, whether it's a restaurant or a store, and also support independent wrestling because that's going to be allowing uh, capacities as well. But we're doing wrestling history, 11th to the 17th. Are you ready to go, sir? I am ready to go. Woo-hoo. All right, That's now that enough. we've done uh, weather and political, uh, here we go with uh, wrestling. Uh, we're going to start with headlines from February 11th, 2010. Vince McMahon announces during an investor conference call that WWE would abandon the Survivor Series pay-per-view name. Uh, the decision came after the 2009 annual financial reports. However, that decision would be reversed and the following Survivor Series ratings numbers improved. Survivor Series is one of my favorite uh, events, as long as they do it properly. I'm not and that's sure the problem, because it's lost its luster over the years. Yeah, it needs to be the special that it was being team against team. Um, I don't necessarily agree with this whole um, bragging rights type deal, because regardless of which brand wins, what do they've won? except for the next night on their uh, broadcast going, we took all the thing. You don't get the main event at WrestleMania. You're not getting uh, anything special for uh, your crew to then battle for, say, a sp- uh, the number 30 spot at the Royal Rumble. It's just bragging rights, and you get nothing. But if they go back to each level of maybe have the IC guys against the U.S. guys and the world title against the universal title guys and the tag teams. I like that idea. And I th- I think they need to come up with a new specialty match, kind of like an elimination chamber, but a little different because, again, it's Survivor Series. These matches should be about survival and not necessarily just winning, but you can lose but still survive. The all the other part that I, they need to also stop is mixing teams of heels and faces with the 
inevitable question, will they get along? And that be the only spark for interest in the whole thing. Because, yes, inevitably one of those teams, somebody's the heel is going to turn on uh, his team or walk out on his team and whoop-de-doo. If it's faces versus heels, traditional good versus evil, that would work better than the, oh, no, somebody's going to turn. Anyways, carrying on. All right, so February 12th, 1985, Jimmy Hart made his WWF debut at a TV taping. He managed both the Greg, the Hammer Valentine, and Jim, the Anvil Nightheart. Hart would become one of the best on-screen managers for nearly a decade in the WWF and, of course, as a member of their Hall of Fame. Also on the 12th, 2001, on Raw's War, Peter Polacco returns to the WWF after a four-year absence under his more recent gimmick name, Just Incredible. His stint in the WWF mid-90s saw him wearing bright colors and a jockstrap on his head with the name Portuguese Man of War, Eldo Montoya. Uh, Polacco's only success during his second run was winning the hardcore title eight times, and he was released in January of 2003. Yeah, he was doing better for himself in ECW, but of course that collapsed. But uh, with being the impact players with uh, Lance Storm and tag team. He's definitely a guy that if if, uh, he would have been born a little later, he would have been great uh, in NXT. But depending on where he's living, you'd have to look that up. You can uh, probably see him at your local Olive Garden serving you breadsticks and salad. That'd be great because I'd just be putting on my hand constantly going, hey, Aldo, Aldo. Uh, February 13th, 2006, the road uh, to WrestleMania saw the WWE announce that Brett the Hitman Hart would be inducted into their Hall of Fame, which was kind of a, a not a surprise, but it was it was good that it happened before his, um, he hasn't died yet, but before, you know, uh, he passed on, and he was able to get back in the ring, kind of, and uh, so that was that was good. Yeah, well, there was still some bitterness there because there was uh, talk that uh, I guess uh, he was going to do it, and he did do it, mind you, but that Shawn Michaels couldn't have been at the ceremony that year, and I think Shawn was in a uh, high-profile match on uh, the WrestleMania that uh, next night, so... Magically, Brett uh, had something else come up and wasn't there to do the traditional lineup of Hall of Famers and wave. Well, apparently the reason why I heard the reason why he wasn't at that part at WrestleMania is because he wasn't allowed to be there because uh, Michaels was going to be there. And that's why he chose not to go. Yeah, uh, probably both. Anything is possible, but they didn't want them in the same... uh, vicinity at the same time of course that uh, thankfully changed years later i believe in 2010 it was uh that we talked about that a couple of weeks ago when they uh, finally shook hands in the middle of the ring and uh, hugged and buried the hatchet and hey if he can forgive the wwe for uh the um death of his brother then he should be able to forgive pretty much anybody for anything else exactly uh, February 13, 2007, WWE announced that the American Dream Dusty Rhodes would be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, February 14, 2011, on Raw, Dwayne The Rock Johnson returned to WWE. The Rock's return was kept secret, not just from wrestlers, but from production staff as well. The Rock wasn't announced as the host and star of WrestleMania 27, and eventually would finally return to the ring after a long absence later that year. Yeah, he kind of went through the forbidden door just the other weekend, uh, at least for football, because he's the owner of the XFL and they're hoping to relaunch their uh, branding next uh, season. And there had been talk with the CFL, but that fell through. But the uh, Super Bowl was this past weekend and he's the one opening it up and doing his finally, the Super Bowl has come back to Los Angeles. So it's weird though that he was able to do that and take time away from his schedule to do that part. He did a voiceover recently for uh, WD uh, Black History Month for his dad, but couldn't show up to uh, promote his movie or his 25th anniversary at this past Survivor Series. Hmm. 
Timing, I guess. Or he knew his movie stunk. Yeah, yeah, and mind you, Rock's one of those guys that even if his movie stinks, uh, his performance um, and the special effects in the movies most times helps make the movie washable. Uh, definitely better than uh, the Hogan era of movies. Though, Hogan did make me almost cry in Suburban Commando. That was a great scene when he was reading the storybook to the child. Anyways, February 15th, 2010, TNA announced they would move Impact to Monday night opposite Raw, effective March 8th. It was a huge failure. Sorry? That worked out for them. Oh, yeah. It, it was a huge failure. Uh, the ratings actually dropped to uh, uh, when they made the switch. It took until May until they went back to their safe time slot that uh, their ratings would improve back to where they were before they decided to go head to head, which was just an absolute joke. If if anything, they should have had it where it began right after Raw. I think that would have made more sense. February 15th, 1985, in Philly, Bruno Sammartino comes out of retirement and wrestles his first match in more than three years. He teams with his son, David, to defeat Paul Orndorff and Bobby Heenan. Also, on February 15th, 1987, at a WWF Superstars of Wrestling taping in New Haven, Connecticut, the K&M Connection, Rick Martel and Tom Zink uh, and Lanny Poffo defeated Adrian Adonis in the dream team consisting of Brutus Beefcake and Greg Valentine. At the time, Adrian Adonis had been cutting the hair of his opponents in preparation for the WrestleMania 3 hair versus hair bout with Rowdy Rowdy Piper. As Adonis went uh, to cut Martel's hair, Martel did a switcheroo in reverse positions with him. Adonis ended up cutting Beefcake's hair. As Adonis and Beefcake argued, Martel rode up Beefcake for the win. Beefcake would uh, get his payback a month uh, and a half later at WrestleMania 3 when he helped Roddy Roddy Piper shave Adrian's hair. That haircut is believed to be the birth to Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Cutting and strutting. Cutting and strutting. 1999 on a Raw is War, uh, The Undertaker defeated Kane in an Inferno match. Early in the evening on Sunday Night Heat, The Public Enemy uh, had a nice little uh, uh, wiener roast because of the Inferno match. No, anyways, uh, made their WWF debut defeating Edge and Gangrel via DQ. Back in late 1995, the duo got an offer to join the WWF, but turned it down to go to WCW. Many of the WWF veterans never let them forget it. Public Enemy lasted all six weeks with the WWF, with the most infamous meeting with Bradshaw and Ron Simmons, who beat the shit out of them on Sunday Night Heat for realsies. Yeah, well, the, apparently they didn't want to job and do certain things, and they weren't necessarily team players. I can't believe the Public Enemy wouldn't be team players. But they were kind of the poor man's uh, version of uh, the Nasty Boys or uh, Dudley Boys. Well, I, I think I think WCW was the better place for them anyway. Some of their matches were quite entertaining that they did with Nasty Boys. With Plunder! In fact, I think one of those entertaining matches was at the, one of the Road Wilds, if I remember. February 16th, 2009, WWE presented the 193rd and final episode of ECW on Sci-Fi from the Sprint Center in Kansas City, Missouri. The ECW uh, finale featured the first introductions of eight NXT rookies and their WWE pro coaches. If only they could have lasted seven more weeks and made it to even 200. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, these... Move on to some birthdays. February 11th, Ken Shamrock turned 58 and Hernandez turned 49. Uh, February 12th, uh, Akeem, a.k.a. One Man Gang, shares the same birthday as I do. He turned 62. And February 13th, Tommy Dreamer turned 52. And February 13th, it's a happy 60th birthday today to Nicola Ann Roberts, a.k.a. Baby Doll. Superstar Spotlight is going to One Man Gang, or as uh, a lot of us knew him, as Akeem, the African Dream. His name's George Gray. He was born February 12th, 1960. 
and he's an American professional wrestler, better known by his ring name, the One Man Gang. For two years in the World Wrestling Federation, he was Akeem the African Dream. Prior to this, he was the top heel for Universal Wrestling Federation and UWF heavyweight champion for six months in 1986 and 87. He worked for several na uh, several National Wrestling Alliance affiliation promotions, uh, Mid-South Wrestling and World Championship Wrestling as one-man gang, billed as being from Chicago's Halsted Street on the south side. He was uh, managed by Kevin Sullivan, Skandor Akbar, Theodore Long, Gentleman Jim Holiday, and Sir Oliver Humberdink in various territories. Gray made his uh, debut in the WWF on May 12, 1987, being managed by Slick in the match against Jesse Cortez. He spent much of his early WWF run defeating enhanced talent in extremely short matches in order to build him up. Most notably in a match where he uh, gore-bustered his opponent after the bell and then did the same to the referee, thus being kayfabe. Fine $10,000 for his actions. While the gang often defeated enhancement talent and other lower-card wrestlers with ease, he was often on the end of defeat where, um, when main eventing against bigger stars such as Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. Although gang was a major part of the angle regarding Billy Graham being forced into retirement, one man game, uh, gang participated in the first ever Survivor Series pay-per-view as a member of Andre the Giant's team, fighting a team led by Hulk Hogan. In 1988, gang entered the inaugural Royal Rumble at number 19 out of 20 participants and was one of the last two men left in the ring before being eliminated by Jim Duggan. One man game participated in the world title tournament at WrestleMania 4. He surprisingly beat Bam Bam Bigelow by count out in the opening round, and he drew a bye in the quarterfinals um, before being disqualified in the semifinals uh, against eventual tournament winner Randy Savage after Gain attempted to hit Savage with his manager's cane. It's actually quite kind of humorous the way that he was holding the cane and trying to squish him, and he kept yeah. missing. Uh, kind of, kind of uh, cartoonish. But hey, it was the cartoon world back then. Following his, yes. Following his loss at WrestleMania, Gang was uh, placed lower on the manager's cane. Uh, uh, sorry. Ugh, was placed lower on the card, feuding with Bam Bam Bigelow, Coco Beware, and Don Morocco. I personally and, rathered him as the one-man gang, such uh, a younger one-man gang. He looked like a, a main event top card guy, but then when they turn him into Akeem, it was humorous. And yeah, I think he did a good job at the character, but yeah, it's a gimmick you cannot pull off uh, today. That's for sure. A white guy uh, being a black man. Uh, yeah. It wasn't soon after that, that uh, they repackaged him, doing the whole uh, white power or black power, African uh, dancing. They have a lovely uh, vignette that they did where, uh, I think it was like Zulu type dancers came to a uh, uh, Bronx sort of uh, backyard alley and uh, Slick coming in with his ghetto blaster playing Jive Sobro and Gene Orkelin's there with the whole christening of him now being Akeem. It's quite hilarious if you get a chance to see that. He formed the Twin Towers with uh, Bossman. They had a huge feud with the uh, Mega Powers, which then we even saw him fall out of the ring during that main event, uh, oopsie doodle uh, thing. The, after that feud, it really didn't last too long because they ended up uh, turning the towers against each other, and Bossman beat Akeem, I'd say it was less than two minutes at WrestleMania six in Toronto. And that's when he basically left and went over to WCW as part of uh, Sullivan's Dungeon of Doom. Sullivan! He even went a couple times. Uh, he showed up as the one-man gang for WrestleMania 17's Gimmick Battle Royal uh, because I guess he was too small to get into the Akeem uh, outfit. And, uh, yeah, so just some of the things that remind me of him on that one. Uh Good talent, but unfortunately didn't get to do too much, especially when he was fed to Hogan. 
And if I recall right, uh, I didn't look uh, too deep into it because I was doing all the other uh, stuff. But I think today he's actually working in a prison, almost reverse of what his former tag team partner did. Because Ray Trailer, I believe, you know, they say worked in a prison, then became uh, boss man and all that. He's doing the reverse. He went from wrestler to prison guard. That wouldn't be so bad if uh, you're stuck in prison and Akeem is your guard. That would be. That would be. As he comes down the aisle uh, to check on every cell, you could be singing Jive Silver and see if he'll uh, break out a dance. Uh, I think if uh, people, I think if they mocked that to him, he'd uh, beat the living tar out of him. Mm-hmm. Title changes, February 11th, 1969. Dory Funk Jr. defeated Gene Kaniski to win the NWA World Heavyweight Belt. Also on the 11th, 1983, in St. Louis, Missouri, Giant Baba defeated Harley Race to win the Pacific Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship. In 1984, in Boston, Massachusetts, Tito Santana defeated the magnificent one, Don Morocco, to win the WWF Intercontinental Championship. 1996 saw Flair defeat Randy Savage in a steel cage match to win the WCW World Heavyweight Belt. Uh, 2015 saw Banks defeat Charlotte Bailey and Becky Lynch in a fatal four-way match to win the NXT's Women's Championship. Yeah, so that one actually featured all the four horsewomen uh, going against each other. Um, it's amazing because the picture that you see here on the part of the collage, it's interesting to see the evolution in looks that Sasha has had since uh, then. Uh, just totally more mature, I think, and of course, different uh, shade of uh, more blue, I think it is, than compared to the picture here where it was somewhat of a plum hairstyle. Plummy. Uh, and lastly, on February 11th, 2015, uh, Kevin Owens defeated Zayn Zayn by a technical knockout to win the NXT belt. Those guys are always great when they're against each other. Yes. Very good matches. February 12th, here's a bunch of them. 1987 in Philly, Ivan Koloff in the Powers of Pain defeated Paul Ellering, uh, who substituted for Road Warrior Animal. Road Warrior Hawk and Dusty Rhodes to win the NWA World Six-Man Tag Team Championship. 1990, Brian Pillman and Z-Man defeated the fabulous Freebirds, Jimmy Garvin and Michael Hayes, to win the vacated WCW United States Tag Team Championship. God, Z-Man's one of the worst friggin' names for a wrestler. Yeah. Tom Zank. Oh, what can we call you? Z-Man. Uh. 2000 in Germany, Creative Control, Jared Jared and Patrick defeated the Mamelukes uh, to win the WCW World Tag Team Belts. Gotta love the Harris Twins. Oh, yes. So many different names that they had. And, you know, they looked much bigger as the Blues, uh, as the Blue Brothers. Maybe it was their hairdos. Uh, 2003, at an NWA TNA weekly pay-per-view in Nashville, Tennessee, Kid Cash defeated Sonny Sayaki to win the TNA X Division Championship. 2006 saw Christian Cage defeat Jeff Jarrett to win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. 2012 saw Samoa Joe and Magnus defeat Crimson and Matt Morgan to win the TNA World Tag Team Belts. Also on that day, no remorse. Uh, Corp, Davey Richards, and Rocky Romero defeated Apollo 55, Prince DeWitt, and Ryan, uh, sorry, Ryuzuki Taguchi, there we go, to win the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Belts. Uh, Gato defeated uh, Masato Tanaka to win the IWGP uh, Intercontinental Belt. 2012 also saw Okada defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi to win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship belt, uh, which ended Takah- Tanahashi's run at 404 days. 
February 13th, 1997, Rocky Maivia defeated Hunter Hearst Helmsley to win the WWF Intercontinental Championship. At the time, Maivia, age 26, was the youngest IC champ in WWF history. Yeah, I think they were actually, uh, that was the same uh, episode, Thursday, Raw Thursday, uh, that the first signs of Die, Rocky, Die uh, started appearing. Yep. That was, didn't last for too long, though. Nope. Uh, also, that same card, Shawn Michaels forfeited the WWF Championship. Uh, February 13th, 2010, Tyler Black uh, defeated Austin Aries in a one-hour time limit draw. Three judges uh, determined Tyler Black as the winner in new ROH World Championship. Had Tyler lost the match, he could never again challenge for the title as long as Austin Aries was the champion. 2010 in Philly, John Moxley defeated B-Boy to win the ZZW World Heavyweight Championship. I found that interesting when I was uh, putting the uh, slide together and uh, editing everything for uh, this episode. To know that on the same day, February 13th, 2010, in two different organizations, mind you, Ring of Honor and CZW, two members of the Shield won titles. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of funny. Uh, do 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 do. Uh, February thirteenth, two thousand eleven. Jeff Hardy defeated Mister Anderson in a ladder match to win the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Anderson. Hey, I <laughs> I was thinking I might do that. Uh, February thirteenth, two thousand thirteen. British Ambition. Adrian Neville and Oliver Gray defeated the Wyatt family. Uh, Harper and Rowan in a tournament final to become the first NXT Tag Team Champs. I don't think anybody would actually remember that, to be honest, because Oliver Gray, I don't think, lasted long. And, of course, Neville, who's now Pac, is kind of lost in the shuffle, shuffle over in AEW. I don't think people would recognize them as being the first tag team uh, champions in NXT history. And then I think as uh, Gray got injured and it became Pac or, sorry, Neville and uh, Corey Graves as tag team champions. All right, on to the big events. February 11th, 1996, WCW presented Super Brawl 6. Uh, of note on this card, Kevin Sullivan defeated Brian Pillman in a I Respect You strat match in just 59 seconds. This would be Pillman's last WCW appearance as he grabbed the microphone from referee Jimmy Jett and said, I respect you, Booker Man, making a open reference to Kevin Sullivan being the head booker of WCW at the time. And Hogan would defeat the Giant in a steel cage match. Shocking. Shocking. February 11, 2007, TNA presented Against All Odds. Uh, in 2014, on that same date, New Japan Pro Wrestling presented the New Beginnings card from Osaka, Japan. 2015, uh, NXT presented TakeOver Revival. Definitely. Or, uh, I, rival, I should say, Rival. Yeah, I definitely wanted to go back and look at uh, for this one. I said, uh, when we were talking about the title changes, you have uh, Kevin Sullivan. Uh, Kevin Owens against Sami Zayn for the NXT Championship. And, of course, the four horsewomen going against each other for the uh, women's title. Can't go wrong just with those two matches alone. And, you know, NXT always had at least five on their uh, takeover cards. Mm. Yeah, their cards were becoming better than WWE pay-per-views. The main cards, yeah. February 12th, 1999, ECW presented Crossing the Line, 99. 2016, a uh, presented Against All Odds, and then again on the same day in 2012, they presented Against All Odds again. And 2012, New Japan Pro Wrestling presented The New Beginnings from Osaka. February 13th, 1997, WWF presented Thursday, Raw Thursday. American audiences had to wait three days for this episode due to the USA Network airing the damn Westminster Kennel Club dog show. However, Canadians got to see it in its regular time slot. This episode is best remembered for Shawn Michaels losing more than his WWF championship, which he had to vacate due to a knee injury. In quotations. 
Sean claimed that he had lost his smile. Oh, no. Michaels became the first man to forfeit all three major championships in the WWF in his career. Michaels forfeited the IC belt, title due to suspension in 93, and the tag titles with Diesel in late of 94. It would not be the only time he forfeited a title in 97. Four months later, he forfeited his half of the tag titles when he was suspended following a backstage fight with Bret Hart. People just couldn't get along. Can't get along. February 13, 2010, Ring of Honor presented their eighth anniversary show. Uh, February 13, 2011, TNA presented Against All Odds. And February 14th, 99, WWF presented In Your House 27, St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Stone Cold Steve Austin defeated Vince McMahon in a steel cage match. Half the match started out on the outside where McMahon would take a nasty table spot on his spine. Once they made it inside the cage and Austin looked to have the upper hand, Paul White would emerge from under the ring and throw Austin so hard on the cage that it sprung open and Austin hit the floor winning the match. A good introduction for White, who was much happier sitting under ring all day than another night spent in WCW. And he didn't crap himself under the ring. Unlike Mr. Perfect. Yes. I'm sure he left a perfect, perfect coil. February 14, 2005, Ring of Honor presented its second anniversary show, which would crown the first ever ROH Pure Wrestling Champion. ROH Pure uh, Tournament wrestlers were CM Punk, John Water, Doug Williams, Chris Saban, Mike Stryker, Josh, Josh Daniels, AJ Styles, and Jimmy Rave. The final song, AJ Styles, defeat CM Punk to win the ROH Pure Wrestling Championship. I like the idea of the Pure Wrestling uh, title. Uh, I did, do believe they brought it back about a year and a half ago. Ring of Honor did, and the last uh, current champion was Jonathan Gresham. But it has a unique uh, set of uh, rules where you only get a couple uh, rope breaks. And after that, there are no more rope breaks. And I think there's less of the flippy stuff. And so it's more back to the traditional... Frank Gotch, uh, Luthez uh, era of wrestling where it's mat work as opposed to aerial acrobatics. February 14, 2010, uh, TNA presented Against All Odds featuring the eight-card stud tournament. And on the 14th as well, 2010, Combat Zone Wrestling presented a decade of destruction, which was the 10th anniversary uh, and it was from the old ECW Arena, the new uh, Alhambra Arena in Philly. All right, now on to the Monday Night War. I'll start off with Raw, and then Sean will take us to Nitro. Sure. Uh, the February 17th, 1997 edition of Raw took place uh, in Nashville, Tennessee. Mark Merrill with Sable defeated Savio Bega with the nation by his side. Be a DQ when the nation chased Sable into the ring. Moments thereafter, Amon Johnson made the save by clearing the ring with a 2x4. Uh, WWF IC champion Rocky Maivia defeated Leaf Cassidy with the shoulder breaker. Uh, that devastating shoulder breaker. Yeah. The Headbangers defeated Matt and Jeff Hardy when Thrasher defeated Jeff following the stage dive. During the bout, Farouk and the Nation were shown backstage with Jim Ross interviewing Farouk from the commentary table about his feud with Ahmed Johnson. During the promo, Farouk said he wanted his match with Ahmed at WrestleMania to be a Chicago street fight. You know your match isn't uh, going over when they break away to a pitcher-in-pitcher interview with somebody who has nothing to do with your match. Mm. (laughs) Yep. Uh, WWF Tag Team Champion Owen Hart defeated Flash Funk uh, with a leg lariat and having Davey Boy Smith hold down Funk's leg from the outside after Smith, who came ringside midway through the bout and ordered Clarence Mason uh, uh, hit uh, um, uh, Clarence Mason ordered Clarence Mason backstage hit Funk with Owen Slammy during the bout, and Jerry Lawler spoke to Paul Heyman on the phone, who called in to accept Lawler's offer of having ECW wrestlers on hand for the following week's edition of Raw. 
Spark undefeated Hunter Hearst Helmsley via countout when Goldust chased Helmsley into the crowd. During the bout, the Honky Tonk Man did guest commentary, which I'm sure the ratings just went the shit. Uh, and Psycho Sid defeated WWF World Champion Bret Hart with uh, the powerbomb to win the title after Steve Austin interfered and hit the champion uh, with a chair as Hart had the sharpshooter applied. And other segments on the show, uh, Kevin Kelly conducted an in-ring interview with Goldust uh, and Marlena, in which Goldust said his feud with Triple H uh, was now personal. Moments later, Marlena said Goldust was more um, man than Helmsley could ever be. Helmsley then appeared ringside, threw a cup of water in Goldust's face, attacked him, and hit the pedigree. Marlena then slapped Helmsley with Helmsley's mystery woman, then coming in the ring and violently shaking Marlena until security pulled her away and escorted her from ringside. And of course, that lady would turn out to be China. Terry did a wonderful job getting ragdolled. Oh, yes. That was fantastic. Just go limp. Um, yeah. uh, Psycho Sid defeated Bret Hart to win the WWF Championship. And the win comes just the day after Hart won the title in a four-way match at the aptly named In Your House Final Four. And just moments after Sid won the WWF title, it was announced that The Undertaker, not Brett, would challenge Sid for the title at WrestleMania 13. And click over on the Nitro. Yeah, they had to uh, go a whole different direction thanks to Sean the week before. So over on Nitro, it was uh, February 17th, 97. Uh, it was held in the state of Florida at the state fairgrounds in Tampa. Rey Mysterio Jr. defeated Super Callow in six minutes even. Steve Mongo McMichaels defeated Hugh Morris in just over four minutes. Dean Malenko defended his Cruiserweight Championship against Robbie Brookside and retained it. I think Robbie Brookside is now a, uh, a trainer for... NXT UK, and his uh, daughter uh, actually works there as well now. Public Enemy, Johnny Grunge, and Rocco Rock defeated the amazing French Canadians, Jacques Rougeau and Carlette, which we know as PCO now, and they had Robert Parker in their corner in just under five minutes. Prince Ikea defeated Lord Stephen Regal to win the WCW World Television Championship in about three and a half minutes. Randy Anderson, yes, the referee, defeated other referee Nick Patrick in 43 seconds. I think this was during the time when uh, Randy Anderson, who'd just been off uh, with cancer had, uh, and treatments and all that, had come back and got fired by Eric Bischoff for being a part of uh, Sold Out and helping, I think, that was the Steiner Brothers win the uh, titles. And he, uh, he got fired. His family was there. There's a whole big story about this. I'm just breaking away for a second from our the rest of the list. But there's a whole story about this uh, that they talk about in 83 Weeks. That it, while we all know it was storyline, the people at Randy Anderson's uh, church did not know that it was all uh, fake. And they saw Randy get uh, fired just after he'd also uh, been dealing with cancer. They put up such a stink that they ended up contacting the offices at CNN Center, and Eric got pulled in to uh, defend what was going on. And, yeah, it just became a huge debacle because Mr. Anderson's uh, church did not know the difference between a televised angle and the man that they – uh, worship God with. Uh, so eventually, obviously, that got solved. I think this was part of it with Randy Anderson defeating Nick Patrick. It probably was to get his job back and satisfy everybody and please all the uh, fans. Uh, because I think even um, one of the segments, Anderson had his uh, family there and Eric laughed in his child's face. Uh, yes. Just that was how much of a heel Eric was playing at the time. But as I said, I digress. Go check out 83 Weeks, the podcast with uh, Conrad Thompson and Eric Bischoff, and they actually have the full story of what all went on. Uh, they can tell it a lot better than I just did. Chris Benoit, who had woman in his corner, defeated Roadblock in two and a half minutes. 
Yay. Um, Kelvin Sullivan, who had Jacqueline and Jimmy Hart in his corner, defeated Doc Dean, whoever Doc Dean was. Uh, probably a jobber. And he, the jobber actually lasted three minutes and 20 seconds. Eddie Guerrero defeated Conan by disqualification to retain his United States championship in just over six minutes. The Giant defeated Top Gun and Johnny Swinger in a 2-on-1 handicap in 40 seconds. Chris Jericho defeated Jeff Jarrett in two minutes and 30 seconds. And that is Nitro uh, for that week. A lot of matches uh, stuffed in there. Complete finishes, mind you. But I don't know. Not a lot of star power I'm finding. And as I said, when Randy Anderson and uh, Nick Patrick was probably one of the big matches of the night that lasted 43 seconds, hard to uh, be on the side of Nitro. WWE, on the other hand, I kind of find it wonky where, as I pointed out, your match is going on and they deal with other business during your match. That So is it really important? But it did set up ECW coming the next week, which we'll talk about on the next episode. Yeah, your that thoughts Doc on the two shows? Uh, that Doc Dean uh, uh, was actually an enhancement talent who was at the uh, near end of his career and he was... Um, an English professional or a wrestler who did have some success um, in ASW, winning the British Tag Team Championship two times and the Welterweight Champion two times and also um, a couple other ones. So he did have somewhat of a career, but he was brought over as enhancement talent. That's why we didn't really know his name. I guess he deserved the extra time that Kevin Sullivan gave him. Yes. Uh, so so uh, as far as both, both of the shows, um, again, I got to go with Raw. It, it just seemed like a better card. The matches uh, seemed to be better. Plus, you got um, both both uh, shows did have a title change, but um, WWF did the major title change. And then, of course, a lot of this stuff was all setting up for WrestleMania. So just a, a more exciting time, I think, in WWF. F. Yeah, it definitely was setting the course for WrestleMania 13, more so than the pay-per-view the night before uh, did, uh, even though Bret Hart had uh, one of his uh, five title reigns credited to him. It didn't last uh, more than 24 hours, and uh, yeah, we started seeing as uh, China getting there, ECW showing up the next week, which WD was helping to finance. You had... Uh, a lot of stuff, moving parts going on, and even the next episode continued that momentum because we'll end up seeing Ken Shamrock and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I definitely would go with Raw. Not sure ratings-wise if Raw ended up winning, but on paper and watching the two shows, Raw would uh, definitely have cut my attention more so. And I think we were only still just an hour. And it was in the Hammerstein Ballroom, too. Uh, the title changes, uh, February 14th, 1988 in Texas, John Tatum and Jack Victory won back the World Class Championship Wrestling Tag Team belts by drawing the high card from a deck of cards. That's right, they won with a card game instead of wrestling. February 14th, 1999, Bob Holly defeated Al Snow to win the vacated WWF Hardcore belt. Uh, also on that same day, Bell Venus defeated Ken Shamrock to win the WWF IC belt. Billy Gunn was the special referee. February 15th, 1986, Lex Luger defeated Jesse Barr to win the NWA Southern Heavyweight Championship. Uh, 1999, on Raw's War, The Rock defeated Mankind in a ladder match to win the WWF Championship. I don't know if I've ever actually seen that match. Um, 1999, Shane McMahon and Kane defeated Triple H and X-Pac. With the win, Shane McMahon became the WWF European Champion. Sticking with the 15th, 2004, in Tokyo, Hiroshi Tenzan defeated Jenner, uh, Jenner, 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 J
uh, in the finals of a one-night tournament to win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. The title was vacated 10 days earlier due to injuries suffered by Shinsuke Nakamura. Hmm. February 15, 2004, Chavo Guerrero defeated Rey Mysterio to win the WWE Cruiserweight belt. 2004, also that same uh, day, Eddie Guerrero defeated Brock Lesnar to win the WWE Championship. The win made Guerrero the first Latino-born WWE champion since Pedro Morales in 1971. 2009, Triple H defeated Edge, Vladimir Kozlov, The Big Slow, Jeff Hardy, or Jeff Harvey, Harvey, and The Undertaker in an Elimination Chamber match to win the WWE Championship. Was yeah, I think the, uh, Edge was that the one gone. where The Undertaker was burned? <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, there was one Undertaker was burned, and also uh, Edge was going into uh, that match as the WWE champion. And that was uh, a night where there was two Elimination Chambers happening, and uh, that, that was the first one of the night. The second one, you're about to tell us about. And uh, 2009, oh, sorry, yeah, February, or did I already do that? Okay. No, you're about to tell that one. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, February 15, 2009, Edge defeated uh, John Zena, Rey Mysterio, Chris Jericho, Mike Knox, and Kane in an Elimination Chamber match to win the World Heavyweight Championship. Before the match, Edge jumped Kofi Kingston and took his place. So well, that shouldn't have been allowed. Yeah, well, he st uh, started the night with one title and came out the end of the night with the other title. Uh, February 16, 1998, on WCW Monday Nitro, Rick Martel defeated Booker T to win the WCW World Television Championship. Uh, 2001, on WCW Saturday Night, Hacksaw Jim Duggan becomes the last WCW World Television Champion when he finds the belt in a trash can and declares himself champion. The w, uh, then WA Mid-Atlantic Television Championship is deactivated for some good six weeks later in the reboot of WCW. Finding uh, a belt in the garbage. Yeah, February 16th, 2007, Ezekiel Jackson defeated Christian in an Extreme Rules match to become the last ECW champ. Uh, nine, uh, February 17th, 1996, Lex Luger defeated Johnny B. Bad at a house show in Baltimore, Maryland, for the WCW World TV belt. Luger would hot potato the title right back to Johnny the following night. Makes it worthwhile to at least go to house shows where anything can happen. That's right. Uh, February 17th, 1997, on Raw, Psycho Sid defeated Bret Hart to win the WWF Championship. And uh, 1998, at a Raw's war taping in Waco, Texas, the Headbangers, Mosh and Thrasher, defeated the Rock and Roll Express to win the NWA World Tag Team Championship. Uh, this was the first time the title changed hands on WWF programming. All right, back to some of the big events uh, during that time, February 15th. 1986, NWA, in association with Championship Wrestling from Florida, presented NWA Battle of the Belts 2. This was the debut of the big gold belt and the end of the NWA domed globe belt circa 1973. Yeah, that belt is back in circulation and is currently uh, around the waist of Matt Cardona, formerly known as Zack Ryder. After Good beating uh, Trevor Murdoch recently at the NWA show. Nice. Uh, uh, that same day, uh, WWF taped the fifth edition of Saturday Night's main event. Airing March 1st, the show set up the triple main event for WrestleMania 2 and featured the premiere of Hulk Hogan's Real American Video. And that would get stuck in all of our heads for many years to come. Mr. T defeated Cowboy Bob Orton in a boxing match. Of course, post-match, Roddy Piper attacked Mr. T, setting up for the WrestleMania 2 match. Hulk Hogan defeated the magnificent Morocco by DQ, while King Kong Bundy interfered and injured Hogan following several avalanche splashes, setting up the WrestleMania 2 steel cage match. 
The Dream Team, Beefcake, and Valentine uh, defeated the British Bulldogs to retain the WWF Tag Team belts. The Junkyard Dog defeated Adrian Adonis, and in the post-show dark match, Pedro Morales defeated Bret Hart. Uh, February 15, 1989, NWA in association with WCW presented Clash of the Champions 5 St. Uh, Valentine's Day Massacre. 98, um, WWF presented In Your House 20, No Way Out of Texas. In 2004, WWE presented another No Way Out, uh, which Kurt Angle defeated the Big Slow and John Cena by submission uh, to earn a WWE Championship match at WrestleMania 20. February 15, 2009, WWE presented another No Way Out. And then on February 16, 1987, WWF, uh, that's probably 1997, uh, WWF presented In Your House 13, a final four. Uh, yeah, the feature was, there we go. Uh, the feature was a four-way match uh, f- featuring Steve Austin and three men uh, illegally eliminated to win the previous month Royal Rumble match. Brad Hart, The Undertaker, Vader, uh, and Austin had been eliminated by Hart, but none of the referees saw the elimination, allowing Austin to re-enter the match. It would be uh, for Shawn Michaels' vacated title. Bret Hart defeated Steve Austin, The Undertaker, and Vader in the Four Corners Elimination match to win the vacated belt, which, of course, he lost the next day. February 17th, 96, ECW presented Cyber Slam 96. The event, half wrestling show, half internet wrestling fan convention, is noted for the debut of Brian Pillman just a week after his Bookerman quick match in WCW versus Kevin Sullivan. And February 17, 2001, WWF presented No Way Out. This one featured the return of the NWO. National Hall last uh, was uh, seen in WWF at the Curtain Call in May of 96. And Hogan on the house show circuit in 93. The NWO uh, made an immediate impact, interfering in the show's main event and costing Stone Cold Steve Austin the WWF Championship. Old no way out, and a couple more for this. Yeah, of course, the the uh, autocorrect on this changes it to now. Uh, February 17th, 2008, WWE presented another no way out, and on 2013, WWE presented the Elimination Chamber 2013. And we are close to the finish line here. We're going to go with a superstar spotlight. King Mabel Vissera Big Daddy D. Whatever you want to call him. He was a big fat guy. Nelson Fraser Jr. Uh, born on February 14th, 1971. And unfortunately passed away February 18th, 2014. He was an American pro wrestler. Best known for his appearances with the WWF and World Wrestling Entertainment. In the 90s and 2000s, under the ring names Mabel, King Mabel, Viscera, and Big Daddy V. A former WWF World Tag Team Champion and WWF Hardcore Champ. Uh, He won the 95 King of the Ring Tournament and consequently challenged for the WWF Championship in the main event of that year's SummerSlam. I I still can't believe he won the King of the Ring Tournament. Yeah, but, but at the same time... It was what the King of the Ring should have been uh, for, is elevating up to the next level. The first one that was on pay-per-view in 93, Bret Hart won almost as a consolation of, uh, we still like you, Bret, but sorry, Hogan took your title. 94, when Owen won it, that was to elevate him from his status up to the main event, definitely to challenge his brother Bret for the championship. They tried it with Mabel. Should have uh, worked. Unfortunately, whatever happened, maybe it was the man himself. It didn't work. And then it it went back and forth because certain people like Austin and Triple H won King of the Ring, and it elevated them. It didn't really elevate people like Billy Gunn or Ken Shamrock. So they need to find a way of making it happen that, you know, you win the title. Uh, King title, and you get the uh, slot like Owen and Mabel did at uh, SummerSlam, being a challenger for the title and hopefully elevating. 
I don't I don't think he had the right gimmick at the time. If he was Viscera, perhaps it would have been better. Because even I mean, the guy was an amazing sight to see. Uh, not an exciting rest like in ring performer, but he definitely had the look and he looked nasty as hell as Viscera. I think that was his best character, but unfortunately, just didn't really do much. Yeah, Mabel's uh, transition from a face to a heel wasn't a very smooth one. And yeah, it was more the visual didn't change. Uh, Frazier began his uh, professional wrestling career under the ring name Nelson Knight, one half of the tag team the Harlem Knights with his partner and storyline brother Bobby Robert Horn. Uh, they wrestled in the United States uh, Wrestling Association, USWA, and the Pro Wrestling Federation, twice winning the Tag Team Championship in 92 before signing with the WWF in July of 93. Birthdays, uh, Feb February 14th, of course, was Viscera, who would have turned 50. Uh, the February 15th, Rich Swan turned 31. Gangrel on the February 16th turned 53. And February 17th, uh, Jimmy Jacobs turns 38. And, of course, Jimmy Jacobs hey. is one of Fatu's kids? No, Jimmy Jacobs is a, uh, one of the... Uh, had worked as a uh, booker or uh, agent in WWE and is back over with uh, Ring of Honor, I believe. All right. You're definitely thinking Jacob Fang, too. Or, yeah, definitely not Samoan. And it does, it seems like always, we're going to end this uh, week with a few deaths. Uh, February 15th, 1998, Louis um, Masciolo Jr., a.k.a. Louis Spicoli, passed away in his sleep in his home in Los Angeles, California. He was only 27. February 16th, 2006, Michael Lynn Durham, best known to wrestling fans as Johnny Grunge, died of complications from sleep apnea in his home in Peachtree City, Georgia. He was 39. You would have thought it would have been. Now, I don't know if he had any trouble with drugs or alcohol or anything like that, but his character, you would think that's what he would have died from, not from sleep apnea. Poor guy. Yep. And February 17th, 2007, Michael Lee Alfonso, a.k.a. Mike Awesome, was found dead at his home in Tampa, Florida. He was 42. And that is it for this week in wrestling history, which, of course, is compiled from the last van of Google, Wikipedia, CadesideSeats.com, and, as always, and most importantly, from fans and journalists that had front row seats to history. As always, a big thank you to our sponsor, CoolBet. Coolbet.com and sports book of betting and casino games. Go check them out. But of course, remember, stay cool and bet responsibly. And as always, thanks to all of our genres, listeners, and everyone else who watches us or listens to us on the many formats that exist. Yeah, so thank you for everybody. Uh, we are going to check out of here. We'll be back later on uh, this week with our next episode. Uh, that's already in the list of uh, slides ready to go. So once uh, Jonesy and I uh, select our time, we will get that uh, recorded and out to you. Once again, thank you, everybody, and have a great weekend. <laughs>